Well, if you are visiting with us this morning, let me just share with you that we're in the middle of a sermon series through the book of Matthew. Um, This morning we are um, getting real close to being done with the Sermon on the Mount. We've got one more sermon um, this morning, and then next week we will be at Palm Sunday and then Easter, and then we will come back and we will conclude our Follow Me section of our study through the book of Matthew and our study through the Sermon on the Mount. And then we're going to begin a new series that we're going to call Miracles and Parables, and that's going to take us um, through the rest of the Spring through the summer and get us into October. And in October, we're going to begin a series. Um, we're going to take a little break from Matthew and we're going to focus on our values and do some visioning stuff together. And then we'll be at Thanksgiving. And right after Thanksgiving, you know what that means it's Christmas. So we will be singing Joy to the World next week to get us ready for Christmas around here. So go ahead and unpack your Christmas stuff, set up your Christmas trees, get the lights going. It's going to be a great time. Um, in all seriousness, I am looking forward to Christmas this year because we're going to have kind of a light theme um, is what we're going to focus on. And so we're going to try and illuminate this church a little bit. And I think it's going to be a good time together. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew. And we're going to be in chapter 7 this morning. We'll be focusing in on verses 13 through 23. You know, throughout this great sermon, Jesus has been clearly communicating to his disciples and to each and every one of us what kind of life Jesus expects us to live. He expects us to live a righteous life, a holy life, a life that is set apart from this world. That's what we've been looking at over the many months so far through the book of Matthew, and that will be what we will look at as we transition into our next sermon series through the book of Matthew as well. Now, as Jesus begins to wrap up this sermon, he is going to call each and every listener to a point of decision making. Do you realize that you and I, and I didn't realize this until I did some research this week, but you and I make 35 thousand remotely conscious decisions every single day. 35,000 decisions we make. I mean, they, they begin the minute the alarm clock goes off. If you're like me, you try to make a decision. Am I going to hit the alarm clock once or am I going to hit it three or four times? Some of you are much more disciplined. And when that alarm clock goes off, you're up. I'm not quite like that. Some of you make a decision. Do I eat Apple Jacks this morning or do I eat Fruit Loops this morning? We all make a decision every day. What am I going to wear? How am I going to react under certain circumstances that will occur? How am I going to um, react at work? Um, what will I eat today? We make financial decisions every day. We make decisions for our family every day. And we also make fi- um, decisions at work every single day. You know, you also have a decision to make this morning. You can listen to this sermon this morning or you can daydream. I mean, that is a reality that you have that choice this morning to listen or to sleep. I mean, I hope you're going to choose to listen, obviously. However, there is no decision more important that you and I will make over the course of our lifetime than the decision of what are we going to do with Jesus? How have you responded, my friends, to the Lord Jesus Christ's invitation to you to follow after him? 
Let's read together in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 23. This is what we read. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. In verse 21, we read, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your names and do many works in your name? And then what I, will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Like any great sermon, Jesus is concluding this sermon by, by giving the listeners an opportunity to respond to his teaching and respond to salvation. Notice our first point this morning. It's this, a tell of two gates. A tell of two gates. Once again, in verses 13 and 14, we read, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Jesus begins this section of Scripture by talking about two different gates. There is the narrow gate, and there is the wide gate. I tried to figure out a way to do a visual of the wide gate and the narrow gate, but I just couldn't figure out a way to do some stage props this week to help us with this. Um, but just as a visual, imagine um, that you and I, uh, let me first, let me ask you this. Anybody going to the Texas Rangers game tomorrow, opening day? Anybody? Who are you pointing at? Are you serious? Thanks for the invite. All right. So tomorrow is opening day for your Texas Rangers, and tomorrow, about 6.05, they will begin their pursuit of defeating the Cleveland Indians. But imagine that all of us, like Brittany, had the opportunity to go to that game tomorrow. And we were, we were walking up to um, the front gates of the ballpark, and all of a sudden, somebody tells us that there's two different entrances into the ballpark today. There is the wide gate, and then there is the narrow gate. Both gates promise us two things. Promise us, number one, that we will get to watch nine innings of outstanding baseball. And also, they promise us that we're going to have access to an amazing buffet that will be all you can eat. It will put lubies to shame, basically, is what it will do. And so um, we're faced with this decision. Do I go through the wide gate that gives me immediate access, or do I go through the narrow gate? To kind of give you a little bit of more idea of what's going on here, um, the, 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 the wide gate okay, is very easy to get through. 
All right, literally thousands of people at a time can go through the wide gate. In the buffet that you will have access to will be all the hot dogs you can eat, all of the hamburgers that you can eat, all the popcorn that you can eat, all the cotton candy that you can eat, all the lemon chills and cherry chills that you can eat. And they'll also have all of the, um, the soft-served ice cream in these cool little Texas Ranger hats. All right, you've got access to this buffet. All right, so that is the, the wide gate. And then there's also the narrow gate. The narrow gate um, is not going to be easy to get to. This person that's outside the stadium, they're going to tell us that in order to get through the narrow gate, you're going to have to weave your way through 45,000 people to just get to the narrow gate. And once you get to the narrow gate, it's going to take you not minutes to get through, but it's going to take you hours to get through this gate. On the other side of this gate will be a buffet like no buffet that you have ever eaten before. This buffet is going to be full of steak, a prime rib. There will be barbecue ribs, barbecue sausage, barbecue brisket, you name it. That is what you're going to have access to. For us good Texans in this room, there's going to be some Tex-Mex that we can eat. For you fish lovers in here, there's going to be fish, there's going to be lobsters, there's going to be crab, there's going to be all of this stuff. And for you uppity up people, there's even going to be some caviar that you can eat if you so choose. For dessert, unlike the wide gate, we do get better dessert. We get access to um, some molten lava chocolate cake. There's access to cheesecake. There's access to hot fudge sundaes, banana splits, all of these different things. And not only are we promised that and nine innings of baseball, but we also get to sit in the owner's suite. I mean, pretty, pretty sweet deal. The question, though, for each of us in this room, if we were given that choice, would we take the wide gate that would give us access to immediate gratification, or would we wait for literally hours to go through the narrow gate that would only admit one person at a time? Which gate would you choose if you had to choose today between those two gates? In our passage this morning, Jesus shares with us that there are two gates that you and I must choose to walk through. He tells them essentially that one gate will lead to heaven and to eternal life, and the other gate will lead to eternal separation in a place called hell. Notice, first of all, what Jesus says about the narrow gate. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Why did Jesus say that only a few people will choose to go through the narrow gate, the way that leads to life? You know, I think the number one reason that Jesus said that is because Jesus knows the heart of man, doesn't he? He knows that, that our hearts are bent toward wickedness. And we read in Jeremiah we read in 17.9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? 
Jesus knows that the vast majority of us will always choose the easy way that leads to destruction as opposed to the hard way that leads to life. As human beings, we have been doing this since the beginning of time, haven't we? Reaching all the way back to the first uh, man and woman that ever walked the face of this earth, Adam and Eve. They chose the easy way over the, the not so easy way. And as a result of that, because they ate of the forbidden fruit from the forbidden tree. They were banished from the garden. And at that moment, this world just began to spiral out of control. And we began to experience the chaos that we experience every single day. You know, Jesus had some very hard words to share with those that were listening, not only through this sermon, but throughout the days that he walked the face of this earth. Jesus made it abundantly clear in John fourteen six. Jesus answered them and said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. Jesus makes it clear here that he is the only way. He did not say that I am one of the ways. He did not say that I am one of many ways. He said, I am the way. The world likes to tell us that all religions lead to heaven, don't they? They all like to tell us that we just need to live in harmony with one another, live in harmony with the world. We need to all kind of coexist together. You've seen the coexist um, bumper stickers probably. Well, I want you to know right now, Jesus makes it abundantly clear that the only way you and I will have access to God the Father is through Jesus Christ. John MacArthur, in his commentary on Matthew, stated this. He said, there have always been but two systems of religion in the world. One is God's system of divine accomplishment, and the other is man's system of human achievement. One is the religion of God's grace, the other the religion of men's works. One is the religion of faith, the other the religion of the flesh. One is the religion of the sincere heart and the internal, the other the religion of hypocrisy and the external. Within man's system are thousands of religions, forms, and names, but they are all built on the achievements of man and the inspiration of Satan. Christianity, on the other hand, is a religion of divine accomplishment, and it stands alone. It is important for you and I as Christ followers to understand that the religion of Christianity does stand alone. God's word is true. Every um, every word in it and every iota in it. It is the truth and we must stand upon this truth. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. Jesus is the doorway that gives us access through the narrow gate. We read in John 10, 7, Jesus said, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. The reason not everyone is going to enter through the narrow gate is because they are not willing to live a life of separation from this world. They are not willing to repent of their sins because they are too prideful to repent of their sins. Many people are not willing to live a life of righteousness and holiness because they don't want anyone to tell them how to live. Many people, even those that sit in our pews every single week, are unwilling to take Jesus' words where he said, take up your cross and follow me. Many, many, many people are not willing to abandon this world for a better world that is to come. When you and I became Christ followers, 
We became kingdom citizens. And as kingdom citizens, we have this promise that there is a better world. That better world to have access to it will require us to go through the narrow door as opposed to the wide door. There is nothing easy about the demands that Jesus calls us to. Is there? This is a hard life. This is a difficult path. The road that is before us is not smooth. It's more like bumpy and and it's hilly and it's mountainous terrain. But the road that is before us, we have this promise that there is nothing more fulfilling than it. Jesus said in John 10.10 that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came to give us access to a full, abundant life. And the only way we can experience that is through Jesus Christ. So there's the narrow gate. There's the narrow road. There's also the wide gate. We read here, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. The way that is wide is easy. It is inclusive. It is attractive, and it is appealing to name just a few things. And MacArthur's commentary also said there are few rules. There are few restrictions. There are few requirements. Sin is tolerated. Truth is moderated. Humility is ignored. There is no need for spiritual maturity. There is no need for moral character. There is no need for commitment, and there is no need to sacrifice anything. The wide gate promises you instant gratification. It promises you a life of freedom without restrictions. It will allow you to live your life as you please, love whom you please, and do what you please. There was a West Indian who had chosen Islam over Christianity. And he said the reason that he chose Islam over Christianity is because Islam is a noble, broad path. And he said, and he said, there is room for a man and his sins. And then he said of the way of Christ, that it is too narrow. And there is truth to that. It is narrow because God calls you and I to a standard of living that is separate from this world. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, I say this almost every week, but if we are in Christ, we are new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. In order for you and I to experience the new life in Christ, then we have to shed the baggage of this world and we have to make a commitment that we're going to live a life separate from this world and pursue holiness and righteousness in that which we do. Notice our second point this morning. It is this. It is a tale of two trees. In verse 15 we read, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Jesus tells us right here to watch out for false prophets. The Pharisees were false prophets. They looked righteous. They acted righteous. But some of the harshest words that Jesus spoke were directed at these false prophets. Prophets. He said of them that they were hypocrites. He said that they were leading people straight 
to hell. He said that they were blind men, they were blind guides, and they were unclean. He also said in Matthew chapter 23, he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Today, there are many such people that walk this earth. They fill pulpits. They lead crusades. They write books and they promise people many, many empty things if they would simply do these things separate from what God's word instructs them to do. Jesus calls us to watch out for such people. Paul in Acts 20 29 through 31, we read, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. And he says right here in verse 31, the first part of that verse, he says, therefore be alert. Folks, you and I need to be alert. We need to be looking out and watching out for false prophets because they are at every corner. They are in every bookstore. They are every time you turn the television on or the radio on, you can hear and see these showboats that are in this world. They look shiny and flashy on the outside, but on the inside, they're evil, some of them, and they're out for their own gain. We need to watch out for false prophets as Jesus instructs us to do here. And then Jesus goes on to say, in verses 16 through 20, Jesus said, You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. You know how to recognize a bad prophet from a good prophet? Examine their lives outside of the pulpit. What we are instructed to do is examine for and look out for bad fruit. You know, I'm going to begin by saying I am not a botanist. Okay? I know nothing about plants, unlike some of you. What I do know though is that a ch- apple tree does not produce plums, nor does a peach tree produce oranges. And I likewise know that just because people claim to be Christians, that does not mean that they are a Christian. I could stand up before you this morning and I could tell you that I am a, an American airline pilot. And, but you are not going to believe that I'm a pilot unless you see me in the cockpit of that 777 aircraft with that yoke, which is the steering wheel basically, in my hand flying that plane. And not only do you want to see me fly that plane, but you need to see me take off and land. Now, most of you in this room would not trust me saying that I'm a pilot. So you're going to watch from a distance as opposed to being in that cockpit with me. But I could tell you anything I wanted to tell you from this pulpit that I am this and I am that. But until you actually see me behind that plane, flying that plane, you're not going to believe me. And the same is true 
as Christians. Somebody may claim to be a Christian, but if they are not producing fruit, then how in the world are we to know that they are Christians? False prophets are fruitless people. However, those who produce good fruit are those that are filled with the Spirit of the Lord. We are called to produce fruit, aren't we, as believers in Jesus Christ. So how do we know if a person is a Christian? Now, I'm going to begin by saying, you and I do not know for certain if a person is a Christian. That is between God the Father and that individual. Yes, there are some markers that will help us identify whether someone is a Christ follower or not, but you and I are not the ultimate judge when it comes to judging a person's Christianity. But Scripture does give us some markers to help us identify Christ followers, and it's called the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 20 through 24, which we read um, earlier, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. As Christians, the fruit of the Spirit should ooze out of our pores. I wish I could say that, man, every single one of these fruits on a daily basis ooze out of my pores. But I'm going to be honest with you, man. I struggle sometimes in the area of patience. Just ask my kids and ask my wife. I struggle in the area of kindness But you know, the mark of a Christian is that we strive to be the most loving people, the most joyful people, the most peaceful people, the most patient people, the most kind people, and the list goes on and on and on. Yes, we're humans. Yes, we are a part of a fallen race, but we are separated from this world because of the Holy Spirit that lives within us, and we should strive daily to respond in a loving way as opposed to a hateful way. Jesus said in John chapter 15, he said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. There are some times and there's seasons in our lives that we need to go through a pruning process, isn't there? Man, I, like I said, I, I have, man, a black thumb. I do not have a green thumb whatsoever. The one thing that I do not do is I do not trim back my crepe myrtles very often, okay? And so as a result of that, you know that every year that passes, the flowers get um, less and less pretty, The same happens in our lives. If we do not allow God the Father to prune us, then we're not going to be as effective as we could be. 
Let's allow the Father to prune us. Let's allow the Father to, 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 to shape us and mold us so that we can be the most fruitful people that are on this planet. Let's not continue along allowing um, dead branches to get in our way of what kind of life that the Lord Jesus Christ would have us to live. Notice our final point this morning. It's this, a tale of two destinations. In verses 21 through 23, we read, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On the day On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Concluding this morning, what we see is Jesus gazing into the future and recognizing that there are many many religious people that were in that crowd amongst those disciples as he preached through this sermon on the mount. There are many, many people there that that say all the right things and do all the right things and even attempt great things for God. But in the end, Jesus says and makes it abundantly clear that they will be cast into the eternal lake of fire. They have become blinded by their religious speak, their religious deed, and their religious activity. Here is a sad reality. Many, many people truly believe they are going to go to heaven when they die. They believe this because of the church they attended or the family that they are connected to or they went to Sunday school or they went to vacation Bible school or to a camp as they were growing up. They, they believe this because of the good works that they have performed or because of the money that they dropped into an offering plate. But folks, there's more to it than the works that we do. We're not saved by grace, by works, as Ephesians chapter 2 says. We are saved by grace. It's not because of anything that we have done. It is by grace that we have been saved. David Dyke shared this illustration. He said, did you hear about the $20 bill that got into circulation? It did a lot of good for a while. It bought food for a hungry family. It bought shoes for a little boy that did not have shoes. It even ended up in the offering plate and helped pay the light bills. It continued in circulation for several weeks until one day it arrived at the bank And in the hands of an expert, it was declared to be counterfeit. And as a result, it was burned. Sadly, I'm afraid that describes a lot of people who are religious but lost. They have performed a lot of good deeds, but in the end, they will be declared a counterfeit before Jesus. You know, in all of the Bible, there are some amazing verses that we read. Amazing verses that we come to. There's some that are easier to digest than others. There's probably in all of God's word 
Not a sadder verse than verse 23 of Matthew chapter 7. It says, and then will I declare to them, this is Jesus. Jesus one day will declare before millions upon millions upon millions of people that have walked the face of this earth throughout their lifetime. Jesus will declare these words to them. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Think about that. Think about the weightiness of those words that Jesus will speak one day at the day of judgment. Depart from me, for I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. I mean, Jesus knew that he was going to say those words thousands of years before the day of judgment. He says those words. Some will hear these words because they purposely chose to rebel against God and they chose to walk through the wide gate that gave them access to that instant gratification. Others, though, who genuinely think they're Christians because they have done the right things and said the right things and even given the right amount will hear Jesus say those words because they never experience God's salvation. They never experience God's grace. They never recognize over the course of their lifetime that they were sinners and that because of their sin, their sin separates them from God. And they never recognize that, that Jesus truly was the gateway leading to eternal life. Instead, they chose to, to seek eternity um, based on their good works as opposed to living up under God's grace. You may be here this morning and you may have said all the right things and done all the right things throughout your lifetime and even dropped some money in an offering plate over the course of your lifetime, but you have never come to the point in your life where you have asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and you have never made that declaration with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you have never um, made the commitment that you are going to live for him. Jesus said, I am the way. He did not say, I am one of the ways. He said, I am the way. The only way that you and I can be reconciled to a holy God is through you, by you and I repenting of our sins and placing our faith in Jesus and making him and declaring with our mouth that we want him to be the Lord of our lives. If you have never done that this morning, then I want to invite you to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. There are two ways, two gates, and you and I must choose which gate we are going to walk through. We're going to walk through the gate that leads to eternal life, It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. There's nothing easy about it, but it's going to be rewarding. Or we can walk through the wide gate. The wide gate is easy. The narrow gate is hard. Which gate today are you going to choose to walk through if you have not already done so? If you don't know Jesus this morning, I want to invite you to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. I'm going to be standing here at the front 
We're going to have a time of invitation. If you don't know Jesus, you come and just say, I don't know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. And I'd love to share with you how you can experience eternal life. You may be here this morning. The Lord has, has, um, is leading you to become um, members of this church. And we'd love for you to come and make Friendship Baptist Church your church home. You may need to this morning where you're at or even come to this altar and pray. All of us know many, many people that are on a collision course with hell, don't we? We know so many people that are, are following the, the, the way of the wide gate. And as a result of that, they are on a collision course with hell. So you and I need to pray that God would give us opportunities to share with them so that we can help point them toward the narrow gate, toward eternal life, toward Jesus Christ. So all of us know people that don't know Jesus. So this morning, during this time of invitation, pray for those that you know that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and pray that God will give you an opportunity to share with them. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray. Our praise team is going to come and they're going to lead us in a time of invitation song. But let's pray together. Father God, we come before you this morning just thanking you for the privilege of being in your house. Lord Jesus, we recognize this morning, Father, that there are so many people that we do life with on a daily basis that are, that are following the wide gate, following the wide path, because that's the easy way. And Father, they so desperately need to be pointed in the right way. They need to be pointed toward the narrow gate so that they can experience eternal life. Lord Jesus, give us opportunities this week to share with those that do not have a relationship with you. Give us the opportunity to point them to you. Father, there may be somebody here this morning that does not have a relationship with you. If they were to die today, they do not know where they would spend eternity. Father God, I pray, Lord Jesus that you will just draw them unto salvation. Father, draw them unto yourself. Father, give them, um, Father, such a realization of their own sin that they recognize that they must repent of that sin and cry out to you to be their Lord and Savior. Father, just draw the loss, if there's any in this room this morning, to yourself. Father, there's some here this morning that need to come and make this their church home. Lord, we welcome them. Father, just move now during this time of invitation. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. If there's a decision you need to make this morning, you come. If you need to come, trust in Jesus for salvation, you come. If you need to come and join this church, you come. Otherwise, pray for God to give you opportunities this week to share with people that do not know Jesus Christ. You come now. You come as we sing.